I just want to share two quick announcements with you. The first one is, at the front door, there's also a postcard that looks something like this. Many of you are already connected to Right Now Media, which is kind of this amazing online database of Bible studies and uh, conferences and, and awesome uh, resources, some great kids material as well. If you're not connected to that, pick one of these up. You can go to our website. There's some instructions here few different ways to get connected. We would love for you to share that with other people as well. We want to make sure that it's well used. I know many people here do use it, but if you haven't connected onto it, I would invite you to do that today. And you don't need to be a member of our church to receive the blessing of that. The second uh, announcement is we had had a congregational meeting scheduled a few weeks ago, and then winter happened. And so we postponed it, and it is rescheduled for tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock here. Uh, we had sent out an email and let you know about that last week. So 7 o'clock here, tomorrow evening, everybody's welcome, and we would love for you to be part of that conversation and to hear what's been happening at Chalmers. Let me pray one more time. Father God, as we look at the end of this series that you have put on my heart, Lord, I pray that you would speak your words, not my own, and that anything that's simply from me would go over our heads, but that your word and your truth would stick and remain, and that you would produce a fruit in us. Lord, make us more and more like you. God, we ask that you would loosen my tongue and allow me to speak your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is the last day of our selfless series. Next week, we're going to be doing a two-week kind of fun series on what we can learn from children's books and kind of mirroring that with what God's Word says in Scripture as well. But today we're finishing up our series on, uh, called Selfless, which we've been working on uh, since the beginning of the year. And we're going to be looking at generosity today, extravagant generosity. Now, we're talking about money today, although you could look at generosity a number of other ways, uh, you could be generous with your time. And many of you are investing in friendships, being available to people. If you are a stay-at-home mom, you are incredibly generous with your time in raising your children. We could be generous in our possessions, letting someone borrow your car. When I was in university, I think I've shared this before, when I was in university, there was a man from my church who approached me and told me that if I ever needed to borrow his car, I was welcome to it. God had blessed him with the finances to have a, have a vehicle, and I was a poor, starving student, and so he was like, hey, if you ever need the car, let me know. And he had a really nice car. Now, and it's interesting, I robbed him of that blessing. I never actually took him up on that offer. That's been something that I've had to learn later in my life, is to allow people to be blessed by their generosity. It's sometimes a lot easier to offer something than to accept something, isn't it? But that'll be another topic for another day. We can be generous with our talents. Right now, there are wonderful people downstairs who are looking after our children and our, our infants and toddlers, and they use those talents so well. We have people who care for our youth or who play music or who are working on tech or who make cookies and coffee, and all those are great ways to use your talents and to be generous in those. But today, I want to focus on generosity in terms of finances, although you can take these principles and put them to all the other parts as well. Now, at Chalmers, we talk about money because Jesus talked a lot about money. 
And we don't shy away from hard topics like this. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. However, I do need to start with this full disclosure. When you put money into the offering plate, a portion of that money goes to support missionaries around the world. A portion goes to pay for discipleship tools and ministries here at Chalmers. A portion goes to the upkeep and maintenance of this church building, the heat, hydro, boring bills, that kind of stuff. And a portion goes to pay the church staff. In other words, part of your offering goes to pay my salary. That's the elephant in the room. However, all that being said, let me follow that up with this. God does not need your money. First of all, notice how we have done this and after the offering. We're not trying to manipulate you. We're not going, oh, and by the way, we're going to do another offering. No, we're not doing that. But I want to tell you, God does not need your money. Our Heavenly Father is not sitting up in heaven right now, wringing his hands and saying to the angels, I sure hope that Mary Jane puts $500 in the offering plate, or what are we going to do? Are you kidding me? God does not need your money. God is big enough to provide in ways that we could not ask or imagine. If you choose not to give, if you choose not to be generous with your finances, God will simply find someone else to work through. He does not need you. But he does choose to work through those who are surrendered to him and who trust in him. It's interesting Jesus talks a lot about money. And he talks about money not because money is incredibly important, although we value it a lot, but he, he talks about it because he knows that there is this invisible chain between money and our heart. And what we value, we also, it has a lot of weight in our hearts. And so he talks about money because he wants us to have generous hearts. He wants us to have hearts that are molded to be like his. Now, our relationship with our finances comes from our mindset about our finances. What you think about your finances is often how you react and relate to your your finances. How do you think about your finances? How do we as a church make decisions based on our finances? Are we making decisions, personal or as a church, based on faith or based on fear? I'll let you think about that for a second. Based on faith or based on fear? Pastor down in the States, Craig Rochelle of Life Church, he talks about three mindsets that we have on finances. I want to share them with you today. I think that's a good illustration. The first mindset on finances is the bag mindset, the fact that there is never enough. There's never enough. This is the poverty mindset. This is the mindset where you look in your bag, in your purse, and you go, where did it all go? And an Old Testament prophet, Haggai, you probably don't read a whole lot in Haggai. It's not a very large book. It's probably not one of the most popular books, but there's some interesting things in there. Haggai 1.6 tells us this. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. 
When we have this mindset that you never have enough. I never have enough. I always need more. There's a story in Mark 14 of Jesus being at this dinner party. I love Jesus. I love that he was always at dinner parties. He seems to be there all the time. He's at this dinner party. His disciples are there, including Judas, the one who's going to betray him. And this woman comes in, and she has been forgiven, and she just loves Jesus, and she comes with this jar of perfume. Oh, de blah, 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 blah. And it's such an expensive jar of perfume that it's worth about a year's wage. And she breaks it and pours it on Jesus. And everyone's kind of like, first of all, that's expensive perfume and it doesn't smell very good. But second of all, Judas, he calls foul and he says, oh, Jesus, why, why did you let her do that? That could have been sold. It was worth so much. It could have been sold and the money given to the poor. But you know something about Judas? Judas was the treasurer of the group. He was the one who held the bag of money. And Judas didn't actually care about the poor. He wanted more money in the bag because he was skimming from the top. He had a, I need more, I don't have enough bag mentality. When I was a child, I can't remember exactly, maybe grade six, my school class went to Canada's Wonderland. And my parents had given me money, because I was in grade six and I didn't have a job, they had given me money for lunch. They had also paid for me to go to Canada's Wonderland. Very generous people. problem was that I had a bag mentality. I had a bag mindset. And I looked at the money that they gave me, and I looked at the prices of the exorbitant cost of, of a drink at Canada's Wonderland, and I thought, oh, I, can't, I can't pay that much for this. And so I didn't actually buy lunch. And I didn't buy a whole lot of drinks, and it was a really hot day, and by the time that I got home, I was incredibly sick. I had this horrible headache, and I just felt awful, and I remember my parents sitting me down and going, Brian, we gave you that money for food. It was there. You just didn't use it. I had a bag mentality. Maybe you have this as well. And you look at your wall and you look at your statements and you go, I don't have enough. God, I'd love to be generous, but I just, I don't have enough. We can fall into that trap. There's a second mindset, though. It's the basket mindset. Basket mindset, where there is enough. Because God has provided enough. And we look up from our bag and we see that God can provide. The basket mindset. In Deuteronomy 28, verses 2 and 5, it says this. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you follow and obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. 
The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land, and the young of your livestock, the calves and your herds, and the lambs of your flock, they will all be blessed. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. When we follow God, God wants to bless. God wants to pour out his blessing on those who will be obedient to him. How about this one? From Jesus in Luke chapter 6. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured onto your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now let me talk to you about this for a minute. In the New Testament and before, in, in that ancient culture, they had a welfare system in place. And the welfare system was that as a landowner, you were to do a single run of your crop and to harvest. And if you missed some, you were not to go back. They didn't have these giant combines where you got every single inch taken off and you just clear cut it, right? They had sickles and they had workers who would go through and they would miss little rows and lines and that was okay because then people who were poor could go into your fields and they could gather where the wheat had fallen or where the wheat had not yet been harvested or any other grains. Now, if you are a worker in one of these fields and you are gathering the grains up, and you're putting them into these large baskets, and this is your job, how much wheat are you going to put into the basket? If you are having to bring the basket back and forth through the field to the barn multiple times a day, you might fill it up halfway, maybe three quarters of the way full. You're not going to strain yourself. You're going to kind of like pace yourself, right? For sure. Now, imagine that you are impoverished. And that a landowner takes pity on you and says, I want you to go and I want you to gather up as much as you can fill into your basket. And you can have a whole basket full of this grain. How full are you going to fill your basket? Quarter? Three quarters? You're going to fill it as far as you can, right? If this is what will feed your family, if this is what will allow your, your, your kids not to starve, you're going to fill it all the way to the top, and then you're going to kind of push on it, right? You're going to shake it up a little bit, make sure there's no air holes in there. You're going to fill it up even more. In fact, overflowing. This is what Jesus says. If you give, God will give back to you. Filled up a good measure. Pressed down, shaken up, filled to overflowing. As many of you know, I love Dairy Queen. And if I go to Dairy Queen, what they do is that they take the cup and then they, they fill up, but they put this little like cone collar around it. It looks kind of like a dog's collar if like a dog was, was injured, one of those big cones. And they put it there so that it doesn't like pour out kind of thing. So they put this collar on, and they, they fill it up with ice cream. My favorite blizzard is mint Oreo. They got rid of it for a little while, and I was devastated. <laughs> it was a traumatic experience, and they just brought it back, and oh my goodness, I was just praising God. It was amazing. But when you go to Dairy Queen, and they fill it up, they fill it up, they swirl it all around, then they scrape off this collar, and they throw out the collar, and then they give you your ice cream. 
But sometimes, especially if you have someone who's kind of new, who doesn't know when to stop, they fill it up enough that there's more ice cream than could actually fit in the cup, and they have to keep the color there. And so they hand you it with the color, and they apologize, and I go, it's okay. <laughs> this is what God wants to do with you. Let me ask you a question. How do you want God to bless you? Do you want God to bless you a little bit, or do you want God to bless you a lot? A lot. Do you want God to forgive you a little bit, or do you want God to forgive you a lot? A lot. With the same measure that you measure, it will be measured to you. There are so many examples that we could look at. We won't go into uh, 1 Kings 17, but make a note to read that. and Look at Elijah and the woman with the loaves of bread. But let me talk to you about this young boy. There was a young boy... I'm not sure if he was with his parents or not, but he had been sent to to go and get some food, probably for supper. And he had a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread, and he stopped to listen to Jesus for a while. And he was hanging out around the disciples, and then he overheard the disciples talking to Jesus and saying, send the people away. We're nowhere near the supermarket. They're going to be hungry. They're going to be thirsty. Send them away. And they can go and get some food. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they say, we don't have enough food and we don't have enough money. And the boy looks in his bag. And he could have done two things. He could have looked in his bag with that bag mentality and said, I don't have enough. But instead, but instead, he took his few fish and few loaves and he handed it to one of the disciples and he said, here, Take this. Maybe that can help. And Jesus fed over 5,000 people with a couple fish and a couple loaves. Do you know what happened at the end of that? They collected 12 basketfuls of bread and fish. Jesus took the bag and he made it a basket. And so if you have a bag mentality instead of a basket mentality, I want to invite you to say, God, I don't feel like it's enough, but maybe you can do something with it. But even more than that, I want to share with you the third mindset. This is even bigger than the basket mindset. This is the barn mindset, where we have way more than enough. Listen to what God's word says. Proverbs 3 9 to 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. How about this one? This is one of my favorite verses in, in the Bible Malachi 3 8 to 12. He starts with this it's, it's kind of a, this dialogue between God and people. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But we ask, how do we, are we robbing you, God? He says, in tithes and offerings, in our generosity, in how we give to God and to others. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And he says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, 
that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Do you know that this is the only time in Scripture where God gives us permission to test him? This is the only time that God says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for it. God has promised us that if we give, not from our excess, but from our want, from our need, if we give, if we foster generous hearts through his Holy Spirit, he will pour out so much blessing on us that we won't know what to do with it. Let me just be clear on something. This is not so that you can build more barns. We get blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Why? Why should we give? Why should we? Why is this important? Because we serve a generous God. We give out a response to a generous, extravagant God. Let me share this with you. In Exodus 13:2, it talks a little bit about tithing, this idea of tithing, which is simply the idea of giving the first fruits, the first portion of your income, the first portion of what you receive back to God. And this says, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. This is incredible. You're a farmer, and the first lamb that is born from every you is consecrated to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? You don't know if there's going to be a second born. And so you give the first. This is profound. And then we, and we bring this to our own day and we say, okay, here's my paycheck. I have all these bills, but God, I'm going to give you first. And then everything else is going to work out. I'm going to trust you in that. But what's really interesting, if you look further in this passage of Exodus 13, in chapter 13, verse 13, it says this. It's a weird verse. It says, redeem with, with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. What? That's kind of weird. In the Old Testament, there were clean and unclean animals. Lambs were clean. They were worthy of sacrifice. There were other animals, such as a donkey, that was not clean. That was a dirty or unclean animal. But they're very useful. Donkeys can carry a lot more wood than a lamb can, right? Shake your head with me, yeah? Yeah. And so you need the donkey, even though it's an unclean animal. But if you get a, a, a new donkey, it's an unclean animal. You have to break its neck. And you have to kill it because it's unclean unless you redeem it first by taking a lamb and slaughtering the lamb for the sake of the donkey. Some of you are, st- are like, oh, oh, I know where you're going here, Brian. Let me ask you a question. When you were born, were you clean or unclean? Before you knew Jesus, were you clean or were you unclean? We were unclean, folks. We were like that donkey. We were not clean in and of ourselves. We needed redemption. 
Jesus came to this world to redeem us so that our necks didn't have to get broken. He came into this world to redeem us. What does it say about Jesus? He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus redeems us. Not a little bit, but extravagantly. We serve an extravagant God. God promises to bless us extravagantly if we will follow him and be faithful to him and be generous in him. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will pour on your lap. For the measure that you use will be measured on you. So let me ask you a question. If God is so extravagant and generous to us, why should we, his people, be frugal and fearful? When you look at your financial situation, are you looking at it in fear or are you looking at it with faith? Because again, God has promised, we've seen it in the scriptures today, that if we open ourselves up to generosity, if we give our first and our best, he will bless the rest. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven so you will have so much blessing that there is no room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. And then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Okay, let me just share with you. This is something not only that I am passionate about, but that I have seen in my own life. At the very beginning of our marriage, might have even been when we were engaged, I was preaching at a, at a church. We were driving home, and we were talking, we were praying, and we just both felt like God just said to us, I will provide for you in ways that you cannot even imagine. We were encouraged by that because we were young, we were probably married, and we had nothing. And yet, all throughout our lives, we have held on to that promise. Not only is it a promise for all of us in Scripture, but God promised that specifically to Heather and I in prayer. And we have seen that happen time and time and time again. Now, please hear me. There has not been one day that I've opened my door and seen a Porsche with a nice big red bow in my, in my driveway. That's not how God blessed us. But there have been many, many, many times where I've opened my front door and there has been a box of diapers or a bag of children's clothes that are the exact size of my kids. In fact, there have been, in, in the nine years that Heather and I have been parents, there have been just a small percentage of clothes that we've had to buy for our kids. If you've ever bought children's clothes, you know how much God has blessed us with that. It's amazing. We've had people give us chickens and turkeys and beef and milk and eggs and gift cards, and it's been an incredible blessing, and I believe that all of that is from God, even if it comes through a person. There was a time, let me share one, an experience with you, there was a time when our fridge was on the fritz. It would stop working. That's a big problem. 
Maybe not in this weather. We can throw everything outside. But it was summer. And so Heather went on to Facebook and she said, hey, does anybody have a bar fridge that we could just borrow until we get our, our figure out what we're going to do with this fridge just in case it stops working again? And we had this friend who answered and said, hey, we've just renovated our, our kitchen and, and the space that the fridge goes doesn't fit the fridge that we have anymore, so we're going to get a new fridge. If you want, you can have this old fridge. It works perfectly fine. It just doesn't fit our kitchen anymore. And we said, wow, that's amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I called a friend who had a truck. Again, someone being generous with their, their possessions and their muscles. He came and he helped me to bring the fridge into our house, pick it up, bring it into our house. We put it into place and Heather started cleaning it. She was cleaning it with this, with this wonderful cleaning product that was something that we couldn't afford, and yet we had been uh, blessed by it. And so she was sitting there taking things out, cleaning this fridge that we had gotten for free with this cleaning product that we couldn't afford. And she turned in a beautiful parental moment to Liberty, who was there with her, and she said to Liberty, look at this, and don't you ever doubt that God doesn't provide in ways we couldn't ask or imagine. And I kid you not, two minutes later, someone knocked at our door and said, hey, by the way, I've just slaughtered a whole bunch of chickens. Do you have some room in your freezer for 10 chickens? And Liberty and Heather just looked at each other and laughed. And so don't you dare tell me that God doesn't provide, that God will not open the floodgates in ways that we could not ask or imagine. And I tell you this not to boast, because it wasn't anything about me. I know many of you have been blessed by God in many different ways. But I tell you this because despite all of that, I am continually challenged to be generous. Because the devil likes to show me my bag with holes in it instead of the basket in the barn. And I'm continually challenged when I write my check to the church or to somewhere else and I look at it, there's a voice that comes in and says, you could do a lot of other things with that. There's a lot of things that you could do with that money. And yet, by faith, Heather and I have said, look, we need to give. Not just because God tells us we need to give, but we need to give because we trust that as we give, God gives back. And so with that in mind, when Heather and I give, we don't just give the 10%. We've said, okay, we're going to give above and beyond because we want God to give above and beyond. We want God to bless us in extravagant ways because we know that he's an extravagant God. And we want to model that for our family, for our children. We want to show that we trust God with our much and with our less. And I want to tell you something. I'm preaching to the choir here because you guys are incredibly generous people. I know that. One example, Chelsea Ferguson, who is a, a missionary. She may be, be listening to this right now. 
She came to our church as a stranger, and we welcomed her in. She shared a need that she felt called to YWAM and didn't have a cent to her name. And we raised the money like that multiple times. I know that this is a generous church. Let me tell you something. The last time Chelsea went on mission, she was at our house and she said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I don't know if if the church will be able to help again or not, but I, I just feel called. I feel called that I need to go back. My daughter ran upstairs. She grabbed her piggy bank. She grabbed a dollar. She came back and she said, here, I want you to have this. Now, Chelsea raised $14,000. But the first dollar, that was from an eight-year-old kid who's learning what it means to be generous. So I just want to invite us today to ask ourselves this question. When we think about the things that we have been given to be stewards of, do we look at it with fear or do we look at it with faith? When you see your bank statement, do you look and you say, investments haven't done very well? Or do you say, God, what do you want to do with this? When you wake up in the morning, do you say, I didn't have enough sleep? Or do you say, thank you, God, for waking me up another day. What do you want me to do today? Do we live in fear or do we live in faith? I want to invite us to be a church that lives in faith. We serve a big God who does amazing things with people who choose to live in faith. So I want to invite each and every one of you to choose generosity, whatever that looks like for you. And trust that God will give you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing into your lap. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love and your grace and your extravagance. Thank you that you have done so much for me and for us. Thank you that you have poured out your goodness and your grace to us. And Father, we just invite you right now to touch our hearts and to make us generous people, extravagant people, people who look on faith and say, God, what do you want to do? Help me look above my fear and into your possibility. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.